So check this out. Have oh you guys God. been checking out? <clears throat> have you guys been checking out the um, Johnny Depp and Amber nope. Heard trial? I have not. Not at you all. You guys have not. You have not. I have not. Nope. Crush. What about you? You've been you've been checking that out? Huh? You've been checking that out? You're muted, man. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I need. I need. To... <laughs> oh, sorry. It's in the background. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen it, but my wife watches a lot of entertainment news, and I've heard about it in the background a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Didn't she shit on his bed or something like that? And, 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 and see, Elgin, you're supposed to allow the. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's blame it on the solo cup. I'm sorry. This motherfucker. So, apparently, it has come out in the midst of all of this foolishness that at least one time, at least one time meaning there's a possibility there could have been more incidences. This woman intentionally shit on the bed, left it for Johnny to clean up on purpose. Let me say that one more time, maybe because I know you guys didn't hear me. <clears throat> this woman shit on the bed on purpose and left it there for Johnny to clean up. Now tell the rest of the story though. Tell the rest of the story. When she was confronted by Johnny, Oh, I don't, I don't know what happens when she was confronted. Okay, I'll tell you. Explain she that. was... She, God, I got to be the one that tells the shit story. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, white people and shit. Um, can't see how they're connected at all. Okay, Shut man. the hell up, man. We trying to get... <laughs> Just explain. Hold on. Talk about. Talk about. So, when Johnny Depp confronts this woman... She's denial, you know, classic white woman denial. Oh my God, Johnny, why are you blaming me? I can't imagine. No, 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 no. She blames it on the dog. Johnny goes and gets a paper towel, picks the shit up, looks at the shit, examines the shit, and said, No, this does not look like dog shit. This looks like human shit. Look at this shit. And of course, she being classic white woman, what did she do? Deny the shit. I watched the clip, and you know what I said? That's some bullshit. <laughs> Yo, I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever, I don't ever, want, I don't know what I have to do to make the woman I love decide to do that. I don't know what I got to I no, stop, stop, stop. And I've made my wife pretty mad. Okay. No, listen. But I don't think I've ever made her so mad that she's going to decide to defecate on the king's side. Listen, <laughs> I would rather you, I would rather you try to stab me, run me over, talk about my mama. Facts. Just don't Facts. shit where I lay my head. Facts. I mean, Facts. It couldn't okay, have been how me, my guy. Go. That bed again. I can't sleep in that bed ever again. Listen, I'm throwing the whole, the whole thing The whole bedroom got to go. Listen, it, it couldn't have been me, man. It couldn't have been me. But then he stayed with her. Like, but that, but worked it this out. Is the, this is, but this is the worked thing, though, what? man. That shows you the level. That shows of, you how white they are. No, no. I, 
Because we listen, Come I'm not on, talking about the oh. white. See, you, we're not talking about the white part. We're just talk, we're talking. I'm talking. How about can you have this conversation without the white part? I mean, I don't understand how you can miss that part. Leave that shit out. Get it? Shit out. <laughs> you know what? Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the incredible in the black podcast. In the case you were to wear, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who know not to shit where they lay their heads. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. But let me introduce the rest of my uh aunt. who who's the doctor that checks your stomach and anus? Whoever it is, it ain't us. Okay. <laughs> Elgin, I, I'm not an on, oncologist. No, it's not oncologist. It's not. It's gastro. 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 Gastro is your belly, though, ain't it? It's, you know what? Shut up. And yes, thank you for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. It goes a long way. Make sure you hit that red subscribe, finesse that thing. It helps you so that you don't miss out on the next video. If you're checking this out on, uh, make sure you follow us across all social media at In The Black Podcast, In The Black PBCSD across Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. But as always, if you really want to be down, we want you to come over and join the family. L, tell these folks how they can do that if they want to do that, man. Hey, man, head over to our website, www.intheblackpodcast.com. Right-hand corner, you can collect the Become Family tab. Man, listen, once you click that tab, it's a couple of options that you have. You can buy some of the swag, T-shirts, mugs, all different types of things. But there's other two other options that really help sustain and allow us to continue to build this platform. You can donate directly to us via our cash app dollar sign in the black pdst or the one that i highly encourage you to do and that's to become a patron shout out to my wife who corrected me because i was calling these motherfuckers people who donate she said no honey they're not motherfuckers who donate they're patrons i said okay love i'll call them patrons i won't regard them as motherfuckers who donate so shout out to all you folks who are crucial and gracious <laughs> patrons thank you who thank donate. you Ms. bailey thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes thank you miss yeah, bailey <laughs> thank you Mrs. Bailey. I, do, I do listen i, I pay attention but really <laughs> you thank you guys you for you being, you're absolutely right i sure do i don't listen to nobody uh except my kids except, Mrs. <laughs> except the kids that's why my camera went off because my daughter bust in here she was like dad i'm sorry <laughs> to I was like, oh. You from underwater? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, stop. stop. No, no, no. Stop. No, stop. no, that's all I felt. But become a patron and you can get some very, very good stuff, man. Particularly our off the cuff segment, which is literally unfiltered, off the cuff commentary. Uh, that we do not advise you listen to without headphones at work. <laughs> nah, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. I, I will. I will second, third, and fourth that, my guy. <laughs> Please don't. Please. Now tonight we are joined by a special guest. She is a reproductive rights advocate and a friend of the show. Please help me welcome. Actually, should we bring her on and then do? Because we're supposed to do a plug. I'll save the plug for afterwards. You know, we got to pay the bills still. Reverend Kenyatta Chingwe, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you 
thank you thank you thank you thank you for yeah. taking the time out and chopping it up with this i know that uh we don't want to oh, bring God. the property value yeah. down but, you know. thank you for having me can i can i make one say one little thing please, please i am please. a reproductive justice advocate and there's a difference um reproductive justice is a movement frame that was created by 12 black women in 1994 because the reproductive rights movement was not addressing our need and so reproductive justice um sits on four tenets that uh we believe that everyone has the human right to have a child to not have a child, to parent the children that they have in safe, sustainable communities, free from interpersonal and state-sanctioned violence, and to have the right to bodily autonomy. And so, um, mm, mm, mm. I'm going to X. I'm going to X that part out where it says rights, mm. and I'm going to make mm. it say. Mm. Yes, yeah, please do. Thank you. Yes, Thank please you. do. Let me make sure. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Let me make sure to do that now. I don't you want need help spelling justice. I, I, don't help. Her, I don't want her. I don't want her to tell mom. Tell me. Tell my mama that I'm a liar. Let's go ahead and make it. Right, right. See, there we go. Like, how you mess that up? The power of technology. Yes, indeed. Thank you for coming on the show. Be all right part of you know what mother the part the part of the reason why we've asked you to be on the show and help educate us recently there was a leak that happened about a possible future decision from the supreme court regarding the status of roe versus wade now the i think the majority argument was penned by justice uh alita alita thank you He's on the so, other side. <laughs> well, anyway, so yes, so <laughs> he ended up writing the argument for the majority, and apparently that argument was leaked to the public. Um, under regular pretenses, what is supposed to happen is that the majority argument is written, it gets brought to Justice Roberts, and then the opposing side, they banter back and forth and try to bring the ruling to be somewhere in the quote-unquote middle in terms of its potency not in terms of his decision but in terms of this, its potency but here we are we got the raw and uncut version of what they are attempting to do with roe versus wade which is to basically throw that motherfucker out the window apparently alito said that roe versus wade was the wrong decision from jump street we should have never have done it and what should be happening is that they should have allowed the, each state to have its own autonomy to decide what it wants to do. Please, Reverend Chingwood, please explain to us why, how do we how do we get here? I think that's the biggest thing. How do we get here? Okay, so l- let me respond to what you just said first, and then say, talk about how we get here. The fact of the matter is is that states' rights in and of itself is such a trigger word when when you think about um, legal precedence. <laughs> um, and so for a sitting justice to have that opinion on on such a volatile issue that abortion has become uh, feels very dangerous. Um, but um, how we got here, the fact of the matter is the moment in history that we are sitting in right now is a culmination of a 40 year culture campaign, truthfully, mm-hmm. by a very small, conservative faction of the country who used religion as a means to gain political power. Um, Mm. Up until the 1970s, abortion and abortion rights was seen as a Catholic issue. Like Protestant Mm. congregations didn't even talk about it. They didn't even address it. And it wasn't until the evangelical movement 
at the beginning of the 80s, started looking for ways to gain uh, political power mm. to defend the segregation that was running rampant in uh, evangelical-run schools at the time, mm -hmm. that abortion and abortion rights was adopted as an issue. Um, it was easier for them to um, pick up a cause that had little <laughs> to no accountability um, because, you know, advocating for unborn, there's nobody to hold you accountable, really. So they, they picked up a, a cause that had little to no accountability to use it as leverage for political power. And so, and what made that strategy so effective is because it was easy to appeal to a broad base of people, including mm -hmm. black people, mm -hmm. um, and, and <clears throat> have them push that like forward facing agenda while they were really mm. doing what they needed to do with oppressive, other oppressive laws. And so mm. the gerrymandering that you see that we're dealing with right now, the voter suppression is a direct result of the uh, anti-abortion pro-life movement of the last 40 years, that that was a smokescreen so that they could power so that they actually could do what they really wanted to do, but use that as as the the, the leverage to get the power that they wanted. Um, and so that is how we end up in this moment uh, right mm. now. It, it was a 40 year long plan, <laughs> truthfully. <clears throat> Why should we, we as black people, black women, the black community, why should we necessarily be so concerned about this leak? Because as far as I understand, can we rephrase just, that just a little bit? Should we be concerned? Um, here's the thing. I think what we're experiencing right now that you're seeing happening right now is just shock. Um, from the general mm -hmm. public because it's some, something like this has never actually happened before um and also if we're being honest there is an intrinsic unconscious uh belief in the system that most americans mm -hmm. have that mm -hmm. um even though we in the the repro rights uh and repro justice and repro health movement have been talking about for at least for the last four years the tenuous nature of roe and how it could be overturned. Nobody really thought that it would. Like they thought, I guess, because this is the lane of advocacy that we do, that we were being, you know, the snowflakes, we were being hyperbolic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to us actually telling you what we saw and what was happening. And so when this leak happened, it was the shock of, oh my goodness, this really is going to happen. Like, like these rights are really gonna be taken from us. And so I think that's what we're seeing right now. But it was always important. It was always important to pay attention to. It was important in 2016 when, when mm -hmm. the country elected an evangelical-backed uh, president who basically stacked our courts with conservative judges um, throughout the federal courts, including the Supreme Court. It was important in 2019 when 20 states tried to pass or did pass an abortion ban that in the hopes that one of them would be heard by the Supreme Court. It was important last year when the Supreme Court agreed that they would actually hear the, the case of Dobbs versus Jackson. It's just that nobody, like I said, this unconscious belief that a lot of Americans have that the system works, I guess, I don't know, um, that they didn't, yeah, yeah. did not believe that it would happen, even <clears> though <throat> as advocates, we were telling them, this is what's happening happening this is what's coming 
you should probably try to do what you can as a citizen. Um, you know, reach out to your reps, talk to, you know, like yeah, yeah. we were we were trying to do what we do, um, but people weren't um really um understanding yeah. the expediency and urgency of it. And now what you're seeing is that people are just and I'm telling you, Kenyatta, as I knowing that you're an organizer from one organizer to another organizer. We had a rally today, an emergency rally today here in Chester County. And people, as much as I want to believe that people are starting to become aware of what's coming, I don't think we really are aware of what's coming, particularly the impact on Black women. Right. I don't think we fully grasp that. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on that, particularly when well, this, if this comes, impact black women. Um, and well, before you before you start, I do want to make sure that we specify that the reason why we're saying if it comes is because they have not made an official ruling. Not made. This, yeah. it's, they're not supposed to officially hear this until June. June. So, yeah. So, yeah. But go ahead. So, um, well, first of all, let's just talk the real um, restrictive laws of any type in this country already always disproportionately affect black and brown communities. Um, mm -hmm. They're always looking for a reason to, to criminalize us. Um, and so any type of restrictive law, no matter in what category, is going to disproportionately affect black and brown communities. Um, but very directly in terms of like reproductive uh, consequences, black and uh, women specifically have the highest maternal mortality rate in the country. Yeah. In this Say country. it again. Say it again. This country has the highest maternal mortality rate in the developed world. We are already experiencing um, horrible birthing conditions as Black women. Restrictive reproductive laws only exacerbate that. When you put laws in place that can criminalize physicians for doing their job, it's going to make it even worse because we're already receiving, we're not receiving the comprehensive care that we need anyway. And so um, like, for instance, just anecdotal, literally just over the last two weeks, because, you know, in Texas, their law has already gone into yep. uh, effect. Yep. Yep. And yes, heard a story about a young black woman who went to yep. the hospital in the middle of a miscarriage and they sent yep. her home because they were afraid that if they yep. helped her complete her miscarriage, it would be, be uh, construed as an abortion and they would get in trouble. And they told her uh, to go home and come back when she had passed more of the fetus. That put her in jeopardy of sepsis, yeah. of toxicity, of dying. Um, and so this is what happens when we have restrictive- But, but, but Kenyatta, please, please, please. I'm, I, we, we, know, we all know that the only way to stop this type of foolishness is just for people to keep their legs together. Don't have yep, sex if you're not ready to have sex. Stop having sex altogether, <laughs> and we wouldn't have this problem. So, I mean, can you? I mean, can you dispute that? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you you laughing else because you know. Yeah, here's I know. Come on. <laughs> here's the thing. We we are all human beings, and yes, we all have um, the autonomy of choice. But we also know that we live in a country that at one hand promotes abstinence and does not teach 
sex education and does not allow for contraception, but then also doesn't want to allow for abortions. And so like, you kind of got to struggle. Like (laughs) the thing about it is there are literal grown adults who don't know how their body works, like grown people. Um, And so telling people to keep their legs closed is irresponsible at best, especially Mm. when we're not actually teaching people how to um, navigate and manage for themselves. But the bottom line is, is that sexual pleasure is my birthright. It's all of ours. We we get to have that. Um, And so you can't tell people (laughs) their legs closed. And here's another thing, a statistic that people don't know. Uh, The majority of abortions happen from people who are in committed relationships and who already have children. You know, I know in our minds we think, oh, also financially well off. Somebody out here reckless, Mm -hmm. they're just having unprotected Mm -hmm. sex and boop, boop, boop. And that's not the reality. The fact of the matter is, the statistic says um, one out of four women have had an abortion or will have an abortion. The, The reality is, is that every one of us knows and probably loves someone who's had an abortion. Who had an abortion. This is true. This is true. Kenyatta, so using the frame that this is going to take place, using that thought process, what should we be doing? How should we get involved? What can we do? What can men do to be supporting women in this time? I I, I just want to make sure that that's part of the conversation because today when we were out there at the rally, there were a number of women who were using the language to men, thank you for being out here. Thank you for showing up. And I, we didn't do it for that reason, but I'm just trying to make sure for our male audience how we can be involved and how we can help out and assist in this time. Well, the, one, well, the first thing is for men who believe that every human being, including women, has, has the autonomy of their body and gets to make the decisions um, about their bodies and their lives need to be, need to publicly say that and not be afraid to publicly publicly say that um, because you know there are men who hold that belief but who may not speak it but but um, unfortunately we live in a patriarchy and so sometimes men will hear other men even when they don't hear us um, and so um, being vocal and visible about the fact that you believe in bodily autonomy is amazing some very practical ways that everybody can help um you can uh uh donate to your local or regional abortion fund um right now abortions are still legal abortion funds have existed for many decades now because even though abortion rights have been legal since 1973 access is not always easy um the truth of the matter is uh Roe v. Wade was the floor, not the ceiling. You know what I mean? Um, right, right, about right. right. Um, but right. but there were there are so many barriers to access. Um, I will pull up the link for the um so to give to you guys for the abortion funds. Um, yes, yes. That will, you can go to that will show you what what abortion fund is in your area, and you can donate to that. Um, also, it is going to be extremely important that state and local governments uphold uh, abortion rights since the federal government is about to fail us. And so advocate in your municipalities and in your states 
for your states to uphold abortion as legal in your state, for your uh, municipalities, um, advocate for them to educate, um, to uh, provide funds and assistance for people who are, who are seeking abortions um, in your municip municipalities, and also advocate for your in your uh, counties and districts. Mm. See about your district, your district attorneys not prosecuting these these cases. Um, mm -hmm. um, so those are some like really like practical things you can do. Um, uh, also, if you are a person of faith, um, I have a couple of links to drop for you where you, where you can learn how to have start having these conversations in your faith communities uh, about reproductive justice about. Please. Let's let's take a step. Let's take a step back. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I think people will hear me say Reverend Kenyatta Chinwe, and she is a reproductive justice advocate and be like, how the hell can you balance the two? I know there are a lot, because especially I evangelicals, that, that they'll hear that and they're like, how can you do that? Kenyatta, give it to them all, please. <laughs> I believe that bodily autonomy is my God-given right. God gave me the... Um, the agency to make decisions about this body in this lifetime. Um, mm. I, think a lot of, I think a lot of the religious rhetoric, like I said, that people use, first of all, it's not even ours. Let me go back and start, start there. Let's do that. Black church in the United States had a root, a, a theological root that was rooted in liberation and emancipation. And that's how ex it existed well into the 60s. And it wasn't, mm -hmm. and, I mean, even uh, uh, churches that did not uh, ascribe to, you know, seminary and theological thought, their preachers stood on the, on the pulpit on Sunday talking about getting free. So like, you know, like, so our theology has always been rooted in liberation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it wasn't until the evangelical movement decided they wanted to use this issue to gain power, that they actively recruited black uh, pastors black and churches. Yep. Communities yep. Yep. Into mm -hmm. this process. The fact of the matter is, up until that point, you you would have been hard-pressed to find a preacher on any, in any black church talking about abortion. And that does not to say that they were um, wholeheartedly embracing it. It was just that it wasn't mm. talked about. They understood that people did what they needed to do for their lives, and they didn't talk about that because they were talking about getting free from this oppressive system that is oppressing all of us. They had bigger fish, fish to fry. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of the rhetoric that is used is rooted in white supremacist evangelical mm -hmm. patriarchy. It's not our, it's not our theology. But mm. more so than it not being our theology, it's not even biblical. There is nothing in the Bible that prohibits abortion. Nothing. It's all about interpretation. Mm. Most of the time, the scriptures that are being interpreted are poetics that were never actually even meant as direct. Yep. Come on. And so mm. it is easy for me to advocate for people's autonomy and advocate for people's uh, uh, human rights because my theology lives in the space of liberation. My theology lives in the space of finding yourself in the text. And so the thing mm -hmm. about it is when you think about uh, 
I don't want I don't want to use the word divergent because it's not it's not really applicable. But when you think about theological frames that exist outside of the white accepted canon, they are mm -hmm. all rooted in that in that um, same energy sure. of how do I look at scripture, but from my experience. So as a womanist mm -hmm. theologian, I look at the Bible and say, how do I look at this from the experience of a black woman in America? And I and I see, and if I do believe that God is on my side because because I'm on God's side, then how how in any stretch of the imagination would God would God force me into a situation that would make my life unlivable? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And interesting. that's the thing that people don't realize. People who choose make the choice to have an abortion, it's because it's the best decision for their lives in that moment. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, the, and whatever the reason, yeah. I believe that God is with pregnant people when they are making their reproductive decisions, regardless of whatever both. that decision mm -hmm. is. Interesting. That's a novel idea because I know there's a lot of people that won't see that. I, it's, I funny, it's funny because I used to, I used to work downtown D.C., and for 11 years, every for however long they were doing it, I knew it wasn't called the March for Life at the time. It was smaller and it was called something else. But I've seen how they flood the streets and how these people take this thing seriously. And seriously is really like an understatement when you see how these people gave every, what is it? I think uh, it's during the summertime. No, during, earlier in February, so on. Yeah, they do it every year. The, it's, it's crazy to see it. My last question to you. And I want to make sure that we get this. I think for for me, it becomes more of a political question. Okay, can you really, or do you really, believe that we can make a difference by advocating and talking to our local politicians? And this is the reason why I ask that. Democrats have been sitting on the sidelines for a long time. They saw this shit coming. You're not going to tell me they didn't see this shit coming. In 08, Obama, part of o Obama's campaign was to say he was going to bolster, um, what is it called, Planned Parenthood and find some way to make sure legislatively that we codified Roe versus Wade. He got in office and he said, yeah, that's no longer part of my agenda. That's going to be pushed on the back burner. Let me tell you what I believe. <laughs> um I believe in in people power. I always believe in the power of the people. Um, and what I believe is that at this at this juncture in in this fight, I follow the leadership of Black and Brown women, and mm. I believe that Black and Brown women who are advocating for reproductive justice as a whole and uplifting that movement as a whole, have the strategic understanding in this moment to mobilize our people to, to protect that, even if nothing happens uh, politically. In terms of po political movement though, it is a lot easier to move a city councilman than it is a federal legislator. It is a lot easier to move a state legislator uh, than it that? is to, to move. And the thing about it is, to give you an example, I live here in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. In, tw in 2019, 
Um, when our abortion ban was, you know, in our legis, you know, trying to get passed in our legislative um, session, um, I was at the at the Capitol every day for six weeks, um, advocating against <laughs> against that bill. It passed. It only, but here's the thing: it passed, but it only passed by one vote. I don't think people realize that. So even though it was a loss, it was a victory. We it barely passed, you know, um, which means we moved people. Um, but after that bill passed, um, you know, outside of whatever, uh, you know, court things, a couple of things happened. We went to the Atlanta city council and we were like, yo, this bill passed. Atlanta is literally the hub for most of the South in terms of abortion access. Cause there are a lot of Southern states that don't even have a, a clinic or only have clinics. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we went to the Atlanta City Council and one of our our city councilmen was like, yes. And they passed a resolution stating that Atlanta would make sure that people could have their abortions, regardless of what the, what the state said. But they upheld the reproductive rights of people in the city of Atlanta. So like we were able to move a city even though we couldn't move the state. And wow. no, not only that, later in the year, we were able to get the city of Atlanta to adopt a reproductive justice commission that uh, that sits with reproductive legislation and tries to to um, along with the activists who are here work to make Atlanta more accessible for people in their reproductive lives. Hmm. But, but what about those laws? You said they were they were using this issue to mask. Will that will they be addressed in the same? In the same breath, perhaps, or, or I, don't, I don't think I understood. No, you, I, I think you implied it earlier that uh, that that the whole uh, the whole movement was kind of a, a smokescreen to to mask their their real motives for other for other more insidious laws, right? Which they've laws. already been implied. Like the the gerrymandering and the so voter suppression is why it's so hard to vote them out now, and that was one of their main goals. Is um to be able to stay in office and do the egregious things that they, they've been doing. Um, I think that they, you know, not to give them any credit, I think that their ability to uh, long-term strategize is something that we could benefit from. <laughs> we could benefit Facts. Which is why my work in the world, even though I am an advocate and I am an organizer and I definitely uh, do some uh policy you know lobbying when when necessary the the bulk of my work is narrative shift and culture shift because the mm. fact of the matter is that narrative shift and culture shift liberates your uh legislators to actually do the right thing if give i'm just going to give you an example marriage equality marriage equality was the end result of a 40-year culture war that took queer people from just being weird, you know, divergent people mm -hmm. to actual human beings. Um, and, and by the time marriage equality passed, more than half of the country believed that two men. Yep. And so for all of our issues, we actually need to be making long-term strategy yeah, around culture yeah. shift and narrative shift. In this area of repro, unfortunately, the conservative faction has owned the narrative 
for the longest time and it's been rooted in faith, which is why I'm committed to offering a counter narrative that faithful people believe in reproductive health. Mm, that's beautiful. It. I love it. That's yeah, incredible. It. I love it. You know that the, uh, I th- I forget what the name of the case is, but you know, marriage equality is probably going to be. Well, they've already laid it out. It seems like marriage equality is going to be the next thing that. Oh yeah, to, to they're going to try to come for it all. But here's yeah. the thing, and this is my. Um, this is also one of my uh, passions in terms of the work that I do. We um, who have progressive ideas about. Uh, policy and politics um, have to get better about working cross movement. In my work here in Georgia, I try to be as cross movement as possible, especially as a faith organizer, because a lot of times faith organizing is done in silos. You know, faith, faith and labor or faith in you know, environment or faith in criminal justice reform. And the fact of the matter is, is all of those things are reproductive justice. The fact of the matter yep. is, is, which is why I, I love the frame of reproductive justice, because that third tenet of reproductive justice says that we believe that the, that everyone has the human right to raise the children that they have in safe, sustainable communities, free from interpersonal and state sanctioned mm. violence. Mm. That third tenet is justice movement at all. So if you do mm. environmental justice work, then you're already doing reproductive justice work. Yep. If you're doing, if you're fighting for criminal justice reform, then you're doing reproductive justice work. And I, mm. I think that um, what will be pivotal for us moving forward is showing up for each other because there's yeah. more of us than there are of them. Yeah. Yeah. Just that we yeah. work in, these little pockets and each of us individually fighting this very small faction. But if we were together, Reverend Kenyatta, uh, thank you. I want to say thank I want to say thank you. Really appreciate oh, you coming on, yeah. dropping gems, and yes. most importantly, putting up with us <laughs> prior to. And putting it with Elton specifically because I know that's a yeah, all the foolishness. We apologize. Yeah, all of that. that we appreciate. We appreciate I didn't do anything that. this time. Are you going to stick around, or I, I know you've got. I know you've got. Sure, I can stick around. To, okay. Hang right. Okay. Thank you. We we appreciate cool. it. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to pay some bills. So let's do that now. Tonight's Black Box Letter is brought to you by AudiobooksNow.com. You all know that here at the ITB, we love us some books. But given our busy schedules, a lot of the times it's hard to sit down with one. But Audiobooks Now helps us to fix all of that. Now we can listen to our favorite books in the car with the kids while we're cooking or just whenever. And if you act now, you can get up to 50% off your first purchase. Head on over to www.intheblackpodcast.com forward slash audiobooks now and if you use the link there you can take advantage of this opportunity right now this is an affiliate link so it's not going to cost you anything additional but when you use the link it kicks us back a little bit of change thank you guys for supporting us do a little something strange for some change what you know what? What, Elgin? What do we have on deck next? So the- I thought you had a black box. You don't have a black box letter. Uh, that that was our black box for this evening. Go ahead and do do your thing. Go ahead. Are you sure? All right. Okay. So 
Well, listen, man, I mean, I, I don't know what you want. Uh, we know that currently uh, things are going apeshit over in Ukraine with between Russia and Ukraine, right? We know things have been nuts. We've talked about that and had lengthy discussions here on In the Black. Uh, but some fascinating things are taking place with the U.S.'s involvement in the Ukraine-Russia conflict war, whatever title their mainstream media is using today. But one of the things that I find perplexing is the amount of money that the United States is giving, not only money, but money and weapons. Um, Biden, your president, who you love so much, who you are advocating, have the t-shirt and the hats and the pictures to prove it. Um, Biden asked Congress for how much money? $33 billion in aid for Ukraine as the war drags on. $33 billion. While across the country, we're seeing the coverage for COVID relief in hospitals and at doctor's offices is no longer. Yeah. Right? We're seeing food shortages. We're seeing housing crisis uh, across the board inflation we see all of these things going absolutely nuts here we're sending 33 billion dollars to ukraine to assist in their war with russia now again this is not this particular conversation is not about whether or not you're for or against ukraine or russia this is about what is taking place here and how this $33 million, billion, excuse me, is affecting poor working class black and brown folks right here in the country. I personally find this type of behavior indicative of America's imperialistic fascist behavior. It is consistent with who they are, but nonetheless, it is still disgusting to see us suffering and them literally opening up the bag and the bank to provide Ukraine with relief. Mm. Thoughts? Go ahead, Kenyatta. Go ahead. And You're the guest. Go ahead and let's do it. Please. Um, like you said, first of all, it's on. It's very on brand for the United States. Um, and. It is simultaneously um, indicative of a country that really only cares about black and brown people in election year. Um, mm. That's uh, that's the reality that we're living in. Um, uh, our the needs of our communities are either held up as the proof of deficit. Um, in in us as character or as people, or it's um, held up before us as carrots when it when mm. they need to vote 
for somebody, but I, but very rarely are. Can you are, say that? Can are, you say that, that those parts one more time? Because I want to make sure that we have that to clip out and put up. Because so say that one more. No, because that that shit hit me in the soul. So go ahead and say that one more time, please. I, well, basically, our issues are either held up as deficits, like to show our us as uh, our def our character deficit, or they hold up in front of us as carrots to get us to vote for whatever candidate that is, you know, trying to get whatever position they're, they're getting. And and real um, deep, close looks, looking at the systemic changes that need to happen around our issues is never really engaged. Um, um, black, brown, indigenous, poor folk, for the most part in, in the context of America are seen as um, labor <laughs> and, and kind of uh, um, are dehumanized in uh, so many ways. Like yeah. literally more states than enough has, have made poverty a crime. Yep. Um, yeah. um, and so I am not shocked that the money that could and should be spent on issues here at home are being sent abroad because unfortunately the people who need it most here are not seen as worthy of it mm. Um, mm. Who, hold, who hold the hold the money so crush go ahead man uh, yeah it sounds like a it sounds like a potential nato membership is far more valuable than uh, <laughs> you know the the, 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 the just the, the whiff of another potential nato member will immediately put aside any desire for social justice um, or any inclination uh, towards uh, helping your own quote unquote countrymen. Um, but yes, definitely on brand. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stunned that they, that he would do this at, well, no, I guess I shouldn't be stunned, but looking at the timing of it, you know, while we're dealing with the, uh, with the constant sticker shock and everything around us left and right you know i have you know friends with children who have to make severe cutbacks already and make yeah. harder decisions yeah. Uh, yeah. hard decisions for the next year year not a few months the next year because they're dropping 60 dollars in the tank in two cars you know because i mean and, and granted i mean granted you know we still we're still able to work and, and live or what have you but there will be a limit there will be something will get. And this is why we, while money is being funneled into a, into a war that it's not even about the war. You just, you just want to impress, you know, impress, impress NATO enough to, uh, to perhaps absorb this small country. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what would, uh, what, it, what it would, what it would take for us to be as Reverend Kiana said, be more be worthy enough uh, for any kind of assistance, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think capitalism or Amer American exceptionalism would allow for such uh, empathy. Hmm. Capitalism mm. and capitalism and empathy, you know, it's, it's like you know, like Kanshu like and, like, like and yeah. Amit, you know, this, yeah. you know yeah. natural fight. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Can, I, can I say that I think that. There is an economic under uh, tone to, to uh, or motivation also, um, you know, like the supply chain 
issues that we're having. And, you know, I think that, yes, it, it is about impressing the world community, but more so than that, it's about uh, flexing <laughs> to Russia sure. because yeah. of yeah. how it is affecting our economy. Um, reading this article, finding out more about the process that we, I wouldn't even say the process, but the lengths that we would go to, to provide aid to the Ukraine right now is something that burns my gut from the inside out. And the reason why it burns me up from the inside out is because it shows me or repeats repeatedly shows me that there's a level of apathy that this country has, not just to black and brown people, but to its people, period. Period. Fair. You're not going to tell me that you have $30 billion to give to the Ukraine without any strings attached, no questions asked, but you can't pass a child tax credit. You can't even fucking can't pass voting that. <laughs> Stu, that you can cancel at the drop. Like all it takes is for an executive you, action, you and, and, and that would be it. Ukraine, you can cancel this. This uh, debt. you couldn't even give us the two thousand dollars in stimulus that you said you were going to give us. <laughs> like, and once again, the thing that always gets me, the thing that makes me the most upset, the thing that broils me up the most, is at the end of the day. When people like us make these, I don't say accusations, but bring it to people's attention that, hey, there's some shady shit going on here. Or maybe there's more that you should be paying attention to. Oh, man. Come you on. get blamed for not I'm being patriotic. You get blamed for being a man, you get blamed for all conservative, these Republican. All these nonsense. And cool. all I want is for us to be able to pay attention to what's going on in this country. You're not going to tell me that as you begged us, Democrats as well as Republicans too, but Democrats specifically, begged us to be out in the field and do this canvassing to get these politicians into office. And now here we are. You can't even pass the damn Voting Rights Act. You can't pass anything. But you got $30 billion to give to Ukraine when the rest of us are just sitting here trying to survive, literally living from paycheck to paycheck. Unfortunately, America is held hostage, like the country, not like you said, not just black and brown people, but the country itself is held hostage to the two-party system. Um, yep. uh, Agreed. I, I have been saying for years, and I, you know, I'm only, I'm 49, but, but I have been politically aware since I was very young because of my dad. He was a, a, a politics junkie. So I've been politically aware for a very, very long time. And I have been saying that we need a viable third party. And, um, and, and, and I say it that way specifically because there are many third parties out there that are not really making uh, as large of an impact as they would like. But a viable third party that can actually um, offer a, um, what am I trying to say? A third party that will make both Democrat and Republican parties understand that they are not the only game in town. And 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 the way that that happens 
is another one of those long term strategic things. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. what seems to happen within the scope of our politics is that nobody thinks about that or seems to care about that until election year. And the truth of the matter is to make a, a third party viable to actually counter either of the two major parties is about a 20 year project. It so like is, somebody yeah. start so that, you know, somebody should have started 20 years ago so that we could have that that party. I will I will say I won't negate that the fact that both of those both of the major parties make it hard for third parties. I mean, and always have like historically, like even, you know, back when Teddy Roosevelt tried to start the Bull Moose Party, they, you know, they, they, they find a way, you know, to uh, obstruct as much as they can. But I, I do feel like it can be done. Um, but they crush it, people within their own party. So I'm, I mean, I don't right. know. I'm not saying. Nina Turner. Sorry. I'm, me, me, <laughs> Hold on, I won't even, not even just Nina Turner. And that was the most recent one. And I gave yeah. him, that, that was extremely, extremely messy. But I don't know if you're familiar with his, um, Hawthorne, um, he's a he's a Republican, he's he's in a wheelchair. And he was a, like a oh, Republican darling. He just got elected not too long ago. He was like one of Trump's hand-chosen people. But apparently the Republican Party didn't like him because he exposed the fact that they drink do drugs and have sexual debauchery raids in there amongst themselves. And now he's become like public enemy number one. Like they are really trying to crush this dude. So I'm thinking to myself, if they can do this to him, if they can do this to Nina Turner, just because she sides with Bernie Sanders, what chances a third party candidate really have? Not to mention that people live in these quick cycles, right? Every two years, you're jumping into the next cycle. And before you know it, the politicians are running for the next cycle. So people don't yeah. even have time to digest what they got in the last one. The way you build a third party is not from the top down. Oh, can't be. A viable right third party. You gotta be from the You need to get yourself, fifth, you know, 10 to 15 mayors across the country. Mm -hmm. Get yourself in about seven or eight state houses. That's why I say it's a 20 year process. And then by the time you're at that point, you can start thinking about running candidates for, for federal legislative positions in the House and the Senate. And then you can run a, a, a candidate for president. But everybody who's going for president. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's never, that's never going to be. You can't do that. It's not going to work that way. I tell you, when these midterms hit, <laughs> Boy, when the midterms yes. hit and them poll results come back and them Dems, I, I mean, I, I'm just assuming that the Dems operate on a level of arrogance unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. I don't because think it's these arrogant. motherfuckers. I just think it's, uh, truthfully, I, uh, I think it's cluelessness. I don't think it's arrogance. <laughs> you, you really think that they're, you really think that they're cluelessness? They gotta be. I, no, dude. I don't think that they're clueless. I, to be honest with you, I I think that they are spineless, not clueless, spineless. Ooh. And the reason why, and the reason why I say spineless is because whenever you look at any of these Democratic candidates, they they're so afraid outside of the culture war stuff to say, well, you know, you got to vote for us because you're black, and they're trying to do stuff to black people. Outside of that stuff, they are afraid to stand on anything that gets yeah. other people's yeah, brothers yeah. ruffled. So it's like you don't differentiate yourself from the other party. You don't want to ruffle any feathers. You don't want to offend anybody. And here you have another party that is like 
the gloves are off all the time. I don't give a fuck who we have to ruffle up. We're going to get our way. And then you're just left there holding the bag. And then like Democrats do all the time, especially we see it in our in our small circle, they'll come and blame black folks. Well, y'all didn't go out and vote. Why are you talking like that about Dems? Why did you do X, Y, and Z? And you're like, my dude, are you not seeing the people that they're, you guys are putting out? Anyway. Reverend, well, I got your blood pressure up. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, got me, you, got me you got me tonight. That, yeah, that 33 awesome. billion made me want to body yeah. books. Oh, oh, Reverend Kenyatta Chingwe, thank you yeah. so much for being on the show. We cannot thank say you. thank you enough. Yeah. Um, we are going to do our we're going to do our little run through right now. So please, crush. Right about now is the time when we like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. Crush, what's up, man? What's up, y'all? I just want to let y'all know that uh, the great and fantastic uh, Black Star has returned uh, with their new album, uh, No Fear of Time, I believe it's called. And it's only available on a, a network called Luminary. Uh, so far, the reviews have been uh, astounding. Uh, Yasin Bey and, and uh, Tyler Polly are in top form um, over some Mad Lib beats. So enjoy that for the weekend. Interesting. L, what's up? Uh, for me, man, is to have everyone get involved in a local organization. Uh, the great ancestor Kwame Therese said, organize, mobilize, organize, mm-hmm. mobilize. I can't stress it enough the importance of folks getting into an organization a principled organization, an active organization that is doing the work. You have to, we have to get involved. The only way for us to create change is through the people first. Then we can blow the doors off of the rest of these motherfuckers. Power to the people. No doubt. Reverend Chingwe, you got any words of wisdom for us? Um, yeah. Um, if you are someone who has been rattled by the leak that happened this week, um, I will leave the words that I, I wrote in an article that I had, had uh, published yesterday on the subject. Um, don't be afraid. Um, Jesus told his disciples as he was leaving and they were gripped by fear of, of being on the planet without him. He said, let not your heart be tra- troubled, ne- neither let it be afraid. Um, we got us, even mm. if the government doesn't, and um, um, do what you can to make things better. Mm. Wow. Uh, I don't have a WhatsApp after that. I think the good Reverend actually sealed it sealed it on up. Shit. Okay. Reverend Chiwe, please Reverend sold it tell up. these good folks. Shit. She, she, right she after that. I mean, after a good word. Shit. I mean, <laughs> just couldn't. The Lord knows I'm a work in progress. Listen. Oof. He forgot a couple of uh, parts and pieces. What he... <laughs> you see what one I got to deal with? One of IKEA projects. Shut up. Shut up. Reverend Chinway, please tell these good folks how they can find you if they would like to find you. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, I am Femsoul Arts, and that's P H E M S O U L Arts. And on Facebook, you can just search Kenyatta Jinway. No doubt. Crush, where can folks find you if they want to find you, man? 
You can find me on Instagram as usual at SP Methods. Oh, yeah. No doubt. L, how can folks find you? At Elgin and Bailey on all social media platforms. No doubt. And I'm big. Oh, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick with us and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Make sure you come on over and join the family. Become a member of our Patreon. You will not regret it. But as always, until next time, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. In the black. Peace. This is this is the In the Black podcast. In the black, bro. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. I like y'all. what up? I read a black coffee, Bretchen. Listen, in the black podcast, they all lied. It's all facts. You don't like that? The fault fact. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Switch fast if you ain't raw. The whole intelligent elements always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest in them, my excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up he bro, man a specialist. No what the podcast broadcast, y'all mess with this. Like said they my cheat, who no dweed so effortless. I listen them, I learn, man, them listen them, I benefit. Reporting current event, everything that is prevalent. This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment. Giving you the news, not views without evidence. Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments. Relax, these are the facts, bringing them to your residence. In your house or your tenement, listen to hear intelligence. Body filled with Melody power that's so settling bright in the stars bringing some light back to the desolate in the black podcast that your land is all facts you don't like that the fuck back in the black podcast they fucked up who looks like watch black up in the black podcast that your land is all facts you don't like that the fuck back in the black podcast we all lost the one of them can none of them can control like that though. <laughs> 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 <laughs>